Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Mike Mara former guard for louisville he subscribes so you should as well mike mara i think i might have outdone myself on this one i think a lot of times people they hear it i mean the 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 very strong avid college basketball fan when i drop some of these names are like oh yeah i remember him i think this is somewhere in between of i remember mike mara and who the fuck is mike mara um he gave off a lot of devendorf vibes I don't know why, but the first time I look at Mike Mara, I think of Eric Devendorf, but he is a national champion. He was on that Louisville national title winning team, Mike Mara, a subscriber. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at SueB232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. A very unseasonably warm day here in Chicago. I'm still in shorts and a t-shirt. 70 plus degrees out. Yeah, I saw your reaction there. I was shocked too. Early October here. Doesn't feel like fall today. This past week did. There was a little bit of crispness in the air, but automatically assuming that it was going to be a cold or a brisk, crisp day. 
I put on a jacket and I was like sweating bullets today, man. We got a nice 70 plus degree day here in Chicago. I mean, I, to an even further degree or, or lesser degree, I guess I should say, because it should be more expected here. Still today should be our last day of the hundreds in Phoenix for the year. Uh, unseasonably warm. If you can say Phoenix is ever unseasonably warm. Uh, but I am very surprised. I'm looking at your weather forecast right now. Big weather guy. Uh, 78 this weekend in Chicago. I didn't even know that was the case. I thought this was just a misnomer, like a a, a, a corner case today. You may have done your uh, your pumpkin patch visit a little early. He may have had to, we should have waited a couple of weeks to really get into it. Uh, how was that, by the way? Can you shine some light on the on the pumpkin patch for us? Non, I mean, pumpkin patches here in Arizona are not like really a thing, and in Alaska, where I'm from. Like everything's already frozen. Nothing's, we're not growing any pumpkins up there. It's just like snowballs. It was great. So, this is the second year in a row that I've been Richardson Farms. It's right on like the Illinois Wisconsin border. So, they have, uh, they obviously, they have zip lining, they have pumpkins, they have a corn maze, which, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Because those two things go together pumpkin patch and zip line, right? Well, the zip lining looked really fun. I want to try that one of these days. I, I haven't been able to just yet, but. Uh, they also have a corn maze, which you can go in, and each year is a different theme. And so this year, I guess Earth Day is celebrating 50 years as a holiday or something like that. Uh, so th- it was an Earth Day theme. A couple of years ago when the Cubs won the World Series, it was a Cubs theme. Last year, it had something to do with NASA and space, uh, something that was happening then. So that's very clever. But let me tell you what the peak is. Let me tell you what the draw is. And let me tell you what puts the asses in the seats why they charge 20 bucks a head, which is absurd, but uh, it is the pig races. They have pig races going every two hours. If you saddle up with a nice cold drink or a nice warm drink, maybe a cider or a hot chocolate. And some of the names for these pigs have been, were, were great as well. Um, I think they had piggy smalls was one uh, 50 cent per pound or something like that, which is a, a little bit morbid if you think about it. Uh, but yeah, the pig races were fun. All in all, just a great Saturday. But you're right. I may have jumped the gun here. I don't know if I can go back to 70, 75 degree weather. I mean, you could always go again. Is there a, an autumn or fall rule about only going to the pumpkin patch one time? Like, is, is that a is that a rule? I don't want to go again. It's like two hours away. <laughs> right. Okay. Understandably so. Yeah. I was just thinking the only pumpkin patch we have here by my house in Scottsdale is literally like a church parking lot where they gather pumpkins from like Northern Arizona and bring them down here. So that doesn't really, that doesn't really count, does it? But it's Friday. Actually, this is going to be one of those funny times of year where it's only supposed to be like 87 degrees here in Phoenix. And it's only going to be like eight degrees cooler in Chicago. And then next week it's going to fall off a cliff it'll be like 50 degrees difference but i wish i have so many i know that you will um i know that you will be right there with me on this i have an abundance of new vests that i am just i am just yearning to to wear and i know you're right there in the same boat and you probably do you have them lined up yet or what not lined up it is indeed vest weather though and i'm like i said i might have dropped this a couple episodes ago but you just smell it right the rock sniffing gift sort of deal yeah vest weather very much uh, upon us but i would also like to say as a resident of the phoenix area for about four or five years whenever 
someone says, or, you know, in this particular case, it's a hundred degrees in October. Everyone's like, Oh, that's crazy. It's clearly, but obviously it's Phoenix. No, 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 no. I would say that's pretty fucking abnormal even for Phoenix. Yeah, it is actually supposed to be much cooler, but you know, that's okay. We'll deal with it. I'm not complaining about like golfing and, and whatnot. Uh, the only thing that really makes it feel weird. And this was going to get to the next thing I was going to bring up is that it, it, you know, given how strange this year has been with sports and stuff not, and whatnot, it does feel weird watching like an NFL football game at like 104 degrees on the patio. You know, that just doesn't really make sense. Or like an NBA game it, at 100 degrees on the patio. That doesn't really make sense. And it's funny because that kind of goes along with how I think I personally feel about this whole year of sports right now is it isn't really talked about that much. And I'm not sure if you or you or I are appreciating as, as awesome of a sports like time it is in our lives right now. And maybe just because everything about this year has just made us so like numb to everything. But it, it, for me, it's like, all right, the Packers are a wagon right now. The heat are in the NBA finals. Uh, college basketball is coming back. The PGA tour is going on. The masters coming up. It's MLB playoffs, all this type of stuff. But just because it's 2020, I still don't feel like, I'm I'm a hundred percent invested into like or a hundred percent appreciating the sports that we have like in front of us every day. Like every day of the week, we have like legitimate, meaningful, uh, multiple legitimate, meaningful games. Are, are you in that same boat with me, or is that just kind of is that me? I'm not, but there are people in that boat, and this just speaks to us sort of being. You're the optimist. I'm sort of the pessimist. Uh, you mentioned your teams at the Packers are a wagon heat in the NBA finals. Jimmy Butler just dropped 40, 11 and like 10, whatever the hell it was to keep his team alive. Meanwhile, the Celtics can't beat a zone. They lose for the 50th time in the Eastern conference finals. Uh, the Patriots starting quarterback Cam Newton has COVID-19. Um, and I also think that our body clocks, like our sports body clocks, just aren't used to first of all watching basketball this late in the year and then also is your i mean you're obviously much more of the golf guy i'm sure you're by and you're pumped but is your body clock really ready for the masters right now and then in about four four or five months it's going to be back bau business as usual right so for me i'm just i feel like i've weathered such a storm when there wasn't sports and i was so pumped but I think I just had like sensory overload and then couple that with some of my teams disappointing me where I'm now back to just being like, fuck, man, I, I need a break. Like, oh, no, that's that's kind of what my almost what my point is. It's like I almost it's like we almost blacked out for six months. Right. And just kind of like blocked it all out and, and whatnot. And now it, all of a sudden it was just like we injected all of all of it back into our veins at one time rather than stringing it out. You know, like we talked about body clock body clock i'm used to thursday night through like sunday afternoon right and then monday night obviously is football i'm not used to like yeah tuesday afternoon we got uh, in october we got a fucking mlb playoffs and you know previously it was nhl and nba bubble starting at like nine in the morning our time so yeah maybe we just strung ourselves out because we were literally working from home every day watching sports not every weekend, but every single day from 9 a.m. until like 9 p.m. That now it's like it just doesn't feel right. Well, I think th- I need to ask a psychiatrist about this or something because there's got to be a way to label someone who exhibits these tendencies or, or thinks like the way I do in the sense that if you're going to give me something 
and it takes 10 pieces of criteria to make that something great. I need all 10 filled out, right? I can't half-ass it. And that's what I've been trying to wrap my head around is these NBA finals and, and playoffs have actually been great. The play has been amazing, but there's no crowd. And th- the NBA is the one sport more so than the other three major ones where home court advantage matters, right? So that's sort of playing. Uh, uh, there, there's no home court. So that's, I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. And then the NFL, right? Patriots Chiefs is a great example. Everyone was pumped up for that game. Cam Newton gets COVID and fine. Players get COVID fine. But even if it was a practice player, which the chiefs also had a practice player test positive, you have to postpone that game. So it's like not all 10 toes are in the water. You only got five in. So it's kind of hard for me to just, I just want to get back to normal. And it's like, like, but that's it. it, it, No, it's completely, it's like your ceiling is only 80% fun. Or, you know, like that's what you're maxing out at. So let's dive into this because we are like a college basketball podcast, right? So college basketball coming back November 25th. And again, like you said, in professional sports, NBA, probably the most important for fans. Uh, Is college basketball going to be also viewed as as less this year without fans? Are you going to be kind of take that same thought do you think going forward uh because some like if you watch the georgia football game this last week they had like forty thousand people in the crowd that barely looked social distance if you looked from the right angle it was like this looks like a completely full crowd so is that how do you think that's going to play out and we'll talk to um Mike Burgermaster about this later in the episode. We have a great interview with him, but he'll have a much better insight than we do having, you know, being on the sidelines every day. But do you think that is, you know, in the States that are going to allow fans versus the States that aren't, do you think that's going to be an even larger difference uh, for college basketball teams? Yeah. I mean, personally, we should first of all say personally, I don't give a shit. Like I'll watch whatever. Uh, But you know, in terms of how this might impact the players and impact results, it's going to impact it a great deal. Uh, obviously, some of these games and some of these uh, in, in these venues alter alter matchups. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see Kansas right lose a couple games that they would otherwise normally win strictly because of the fog. It is interesting though when you think about a team. Let's say, like if you look at last year, think about a team like Kentucky. They lost at home to Evansville. Right, that was with a, a full rup. They're just um, kids, though. So they're just kids at the time. So, well, I'm surprised Chris Mack didn't drop that because you know we'll we'll actually get into that in a little bit. Chris Mack versus Calipari, but it is going to be interesting. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if the critics come out because they always have something to say, especially compared to the NBA. It's like, how do you guys watch these 19 year old kids turn the ball over 15 times within a within a, a three play sequence. Well, that's what I fucking love the most. Okay. I love those. I love those early season jitters. I love those bricks. It's what makes college basketball. I don't know, compelling to me. It's what it's the part of the charm. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some better play as a result of, uh, no fans in, in the stadiums, because there are teams that just cannot play on the road that, that can't win in hostile environments. Well, just personally, I think of a team like Oregon state, right they get thumped every time they come down to tucson and play in McHale center 
but then they go home and somehow they eke out wins against like Oregon and, and they don't even have that good of a home court advantage. It's just that it's more of like they don't have a disadvantage by playing on the road this year than maybe it is an advantage of playing at home. So yeah, maybe you are correct in saying that play might be more even or better across the board because you'll get those teams that are less talented that aren't going to be like scared of their own shadow uh, when they when they go anywhere. I wonder, and not that we talk about this all that often on this show, but college football has been almost fucking impossible to bet on this year, given all of the circumstances. You know, some teams have played three games, some teams haven't played, some teams have crowds, some teams whatever. I wonder if that's going to be the same effect in college football. Uh, college basketball uh not that that really means anything to us because we're still watching random fucking games every single day but if if college football is that hard to bet on it's probably gonna mean that college basketball is gonna be that hard to bet on which means for our purposes that the product might actually be more entertaining because there might be given this theory whether it's right or not there might be less blowouts uh and less sure things and that'll be great for uh people who talk about college basketball on a weekly basis that gets recorded and disseminated. Nice plug. I'm glad you brought up uh, Oregon state, by the way, drew Eubanks. That was another surprise to this, but that's the other thing about this bubble. Like drew Eubanks reason I'm bringing him up Oregon state. uh, He had minutes with the Spurs. uh, So, I mean, that that was, that was the other thing I was like, how is drew Eubanks getting run right now? But Oregon state and the, the crowd, that's a good point you bring up. I mean, I barely remember Drew Eubanks at Oregon State, let alone, like, you know, some of these guys you get out there and you're like, oh, okay, like Duncan Robinson, let's say, for example, another heat plug. Like, we clearly remember him at Michigan. And is it a surprise that he's a starter in the NBA Finals? Yes. But at least we remember him at Michigan. I straight up, like, don't even really remember Drew Eubanks in college. I'm not even sure I can picture him in in a uniform. What a tweet, by the way, from... Uh, our competitor, Mark Titus, he gets a text. If you haven't seen this, he got a text from Duncan Robinson a couple years ago after Duncan Robinson basically thought, uh, this is the end of the line for me after Michigan. And now look at him. He's he's playing and starting in the NBA finals and a key contributor. But yeah, he texted Mark Titus basically saying, hey, how do I get my foot in at the ring? Or how do I get my foot in to, uh, to, to media? Because he did not think this whole basketball thing would be taking him as far as it clearly has. So incredible story. And I think a couple of months ago on one of the, one of our shows, I had said, or I had asked the question, who's the best Michigan player. And, you know, I, I said it was Duncan. You had countered with Karis Levert and he was carrying the nets in that first round series against the Raptors. I think I'm pretty safe on, I mean, Karis is awesome. Karis is really, really fucking good, but Duncan Robinson has really emerged uh, and I think you could potentially make the case for Karras, but it is kind of funny that the the best Michigan basketball player in the NBA right now is Duncan Robinson. Every time I watch Duncan Robinson play, I think to myself, he would have been a perfect where am I for a, a segment on our podcast. You know, almost kind of like Drew Eubanks, but Duncan Robinson would have been even more perfect because he was pretty notable at Michigan. So whenever I think about him, I'm like, man, there's a guy that we're obviously not going to be able to choose because everybody knows where he's at. He, he's in the NBA Finals. Not that anyone's watching the NBA Finals this year, but uh, but he's, it's obvious where he's at. And I always think that that could, that could have been our guy. That could have been your guy. Well, it's funny, especially if you look at the program, right? And the t- and his teammates, you would say, oh, Nick Stauskas is going to be awesome. 
Manny Harris is going to be awesome. I don't know if you played with Manny Harris. Uh, Mitch McGarry is going to be awesome. Those are three where am I, guys? I don't know where the hell those guys are. So we kind of talked about this in, in terms of – Oh, yeah, right. We talked about this in terms of recruiting and then also um, – not to talk too much about the NBA, uh, but obviously we're in the finals right now. So it's kind of the last bit we get to talk about uh, for a little bit. But uh, people like Nick Stauskas brings up a per- and, and Duncan Robinson are perfect examples of why it's so hard to project how college basketball players are going to do in the pros. Because it's not just about it's almost more about where they go, where they get drafted than how good they are. I mean, you look at, yeah, like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. They're, they were both really good in college. Tyler Hero was obviously a borderline lottery pick, but was Tyler Hero better than Nick Stauskas in college? No, probably not. But Stauskas got drafted by the Kings, right? Just disaster, right? You might as well just hang it up already, just like everyone else who's been drafted by the Kings or any of that. So it's really hard to project forward because it's really more about, not more about, maybe for outside the top five picks, it's more about where you go rather than how good you are. Well, it is always funny if I compare Stauskas versus Mitch McGarry, right? I guess you could say the situation that Stauskas was drafted into sucked, and it did. But you could also say, well, the Kings are awful at evaluating talent. I would also say, though, on the flip side for Mitch McGarry, is that Sam Presti's worst like personnel decision? I mean, he's he's been pretty flawless otherwise, but that might be Presti's worst personnel decision. Well, yeah, I mean, that list is probably pretty short really of his uh i mean you gotta miss at some point right right okay uh so with the season coming back i think it's important that we give the theater goers and probably you actually and myself a little bit of a refresh on some familiar faces in not so familiar places so i mean i think in the nba in the nfl baseball a lot of transactions happen, and you get back to the season, you're like, what the fuck? Or you watch the first game, you're like, "How this guy's on this team, right? I think we've all, we all have a few of those. So uh, this transfer window over this offseason, there were a lot of names, and Taylor, what I'm going to do is actually give you a little quiz. Let's see if you can guess their previous team to where they were or where what's, they went. They're all immediately um, eligible except for two. What's a good – number for me to get right here admittedly admittedly given the conversation we just talked about i haven't fully refreshed myself on where everybody has come and gone in in college basketball this year so give me a, give me a number like what's par for me on this well so we have 10 right now i'll let i mean i'll let you decide you know your body you know your body clock you know what you've done this offseason you know the the amount of time you've put in uh, this isn't necessarily a, a litmus test for me. I, I mean, you tell me out of ten, how many you think you can get? Um, can we uh, can we say or put an asterisk on this and say that sh- the shark is not allowed to heckle post production, given he's not here to participate in this exercise? Yeah, how class- classic is that, by the way? I-, I would go a little bit more in on Shark because this is the first episode of now our weekly scheduled programming, and he's not here. I, I-, I guess you know he's got he's got some work that he has to finish for his actual job, and I can I can empathize. I got taken to the woodshed by by my employer today and yesterday, so I'll give him a pass. But yes, no uh, 
no heckling. No, no I can already gallery. see the t- I can already see the tweets. How did you not know that? I'm like, well, at least I showed up, and that's that's half the battle. You know, best ability is availability. So, in terms of uh, what you're going to get right, uh, do you want to guess where they first were and where they've transferred to? Do you want to try uh, and get both of those, I, or do you want me to give you their original team? Boy, that's got give me the original team because that's going to embarrass me even more when I get all twenty wrong <laughs> instead of just ten wrong. So I'm ready. I'm ready. That I can do. Okay, Landers Nolly goes from Virginia Tech to Landers Nolly. Um, <clears throat> oh wait, I think I might know this one. And this is I'm going to give a shout out specifically because we're part of a, a network that I follow like 15 dudes who follow this team, and that's Memphis. That's how you set the tone. You know, that could have been one of those deals where, actually like the Celtics, where they're up like 30, and they somehow lose. It's actually the Heat. Let me, t- let me tell you that. You seemed <laughs> down. You seemed like you were down, and you weren't going to get that, and then you pulled it. Uh, you pulled victory from the jaws of defeat. Yes, Landers Nolly in Memphis. The barn guy is very happy about that. But I love Landers Nolly. That's only because I follow all of the barn guys. And when he did transfer there, I just remember that's the only it's the only logical thing that why it would have popped into my timeline like thirty times on Twitter. So context clues matter. Context at clues. Least there goes the sh- there goes the shutout. At least so that's all right. Good. One for one. This is actually a layup for you. James Akenjo goes from Georgetown too. The Harvard of the Desert, the University of Arizona. Half right. It is the University of Arizona. Harvard of the Desert. I'm not going to give you, though. <laughs> wow. Um, Come on. <laughs> you have an extremely big place. You have an extremely uh, valuable English degree from the Harvard of the Desert. Come on. Yeah. Like I said, take me to the woodshed in my like finance job today. This is what I'm using my English degree for. A nice creative outlet. Okay. DJ Carton transferred from Ohio State to? You know, assumption would be that you're not going to transfer in in conference at least. So uh, I, I almost want to say a little Memphis Rivals at Tennessee. Oh. It is not. Uh, he transferred to Marquette, who mm. have mm. actually mm-hmm. been the victim of a lot of transfers recently. Yeah. I feel like so. Woj gets a gets a nice pickup there in DJ Carton. Yeah, they got finally. Yeah, they finally got one to come rather than to leave. So Johnny Juzang goes from Kentucky to Ooh, Johnny Juzang. Mm. You know, you don't often hear about too many players transferring out of Kentucky unless it's to the NBA if that's a transfer um, ooh, I don't know I don't know this one uh, definitely got to need your help on this one maybe a hint here's a hint this other team was featured in our top five from last episode uh, UCLA Bingo. Ah, Duke doesn't get transfers. You know, UNC doesn't have room for transfer. Yeah. Cool. Mick Cronin putting in some minutes right there. Completely lucky on that one. Yeah. Johnny Juzang going from Kentucky to UCLA. I do believe he's a Southern California, Los Angeles kid. Uh, So he's going to go back home. UCLA, very good pickup for them. Uh, Let's stay in the Pac-12 here. Romello White transferring from ASU to. Oh, fuck. 
Mm, this was a big deal too, and I, I I almost think we may have talked about this on one of the earlier podcasts. It's pretty fucking random, is it? Uh, I would I say, just, yeah. I remember. I think we talked about it or mentioned it or something, uh, something like that. But I can't remember where the 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 two was. If you say random, I assume it's a small school. Not small. Mm. It's just a random college basketball destination. I would say. <sighs> South Dakota State. No, no, no. It's a power. It's a power uh, school. Okay, I don't. I, I'm not sure. All right, it's Ole Miss. So, uh, Ramella White. Yeah, and that is going. To that Ole is Miss. that yeah. is random. Yeah, I mean, actually, South Dakota State's not that much random compared for basketball compared to Ole Miss. Yeah, they have more of a pedigree than Ole Miss does. <laughs> yeah, right? Seriously. Like, yeah. Um, no, uh, Nate Walters. Yeah, they have they have a history there, recent history. So yeah, ASU. The big questions this offseason were: Remy Martin is he going? He stays. Ramella White has to transfer, probably because Josh Christopher was just going to take all of his minutes. So Ramella White down in uh, down in Ole Miss. Matt Harms going from Purdue to uh, I went to BYU, right? He did go to BYU. Yes, just looks such like he just looks like if you just showed a picture to a random person and said, "Which school does this guy play for?" You're probably going to get fifty percent BYU. See, I love Matt Harms, but this I remember when this happened because it was down to BYU and Kentucky and maybe one other school, and it just screamed that he's not ready for the big time. A guy like Reed Travis transferred from Stanford to Kentucky, and his play you can. Talk about his play. I thought he was pretty solid, but that said, okay, he wants to play for Kentucky. You got a guy, I, I think it's Obi Top, Jacob Toppin's brother, goes uh, from URI, I believe, to Kentucky. He wants to play for those mm-hmm. big lights. Why the fuck is Matt Harms going to BYU? I mean, BYU is going to be a pretty good school, don't get me wrong, but I would have liked to see him uh, play for Kentucky because I feel like he would have been a fan favorite down there. Well, and I, I think it's interesting too because I don't want to get too into the religious side of things, but BYU is clearly, you know, maybe arguably the most religious school that we have in major college basketball. So a guy from the Netherlands probably isn't Mormon. So it is very interesting that you would pick BYU as a, as like an outsider, uh, outsider meaning out of the country uh, when you had the opportunity to go play for like literally the blue blood of blue blood programs. I picture BYU when they're ever making their recruiting pitches to non-Mormons. They're like, what was his name? Charlie Davies, the guy who got suspended uh, and Brandon. Kind of, Brandon, Brandon Davies. And he just like ruined their their potential Final Four run. I don't, I, I forget if Brandon Davies was Mormon or not, but I feel like the recruiters and the recruiting pitch try to just completely cover that up, put a blanket over it, and I just, I, I could see Matt Harms in a month or two just being like, whoa, I, I was surfing, I was on, I was on the internet, I was just searching through my phone, and I found this story. What's what's this all about? Is this true? They can't actually suspend you for this, can they? Yeah, it's not like there's going to be a lot of good press for like the amount of fun you're going to have uh, your senior, especially your senior year. You're from Amsterdam, and you're going <laughs> to this. It just doesn't go together, you know. Uh, you went from like one of the least restrict, restrictive places in the world to maybe the most restrictive college you could have gone to in the United States. Matt Harms, all about business. Uh, yeah. Okay, hey, business, business trip to SLC for him. Business trip, that's right. Yeah, well, not SLC, uh, Provo, sir. Well, Provo, whatever. It's all the same. It's all the same thing. Indeed. Um, okay. Wait, actually, that makes me realize. Where's Where's Utah State? Utah. It's It's literally all the same. I mean, no, it's, no, no, it's but I want to like get this. Ah, uh, fuck. Where the hell is Utah State? Not Provo. Not it's SLC. Because right? uh, you've got. Um, 
who else is right there uh, where Damian Lillard went to school? That's Ogden. Yeah, Ogden. It may be Ogden. Oh, you no, it's, it's in Logan. Logan. Logan, Utah. Logan Ogden. Okay. All, all, first, all first names. There you go, Utah. That's, that's the most attention you guys are going to get from us probably all year, <laughs> the entire state of Utah. All right. Two players. There's a little twofer for you. Uh, and I, by the way, I haven't been keeping track of what you've gotten right or wrong. I think I, uh, you've got I think three and a gotten, half. I think because so I'm not going to I'm not going to count. Jude you got Dang, DJ Carton incorrect. Yep, I got Akinjo Harms yeah. and uh, uh, okay. fuck, who who was the first guy? Nolly, uh, Nolly. Yeah, but you've only missed Carton and Romello White. Well, Juzang, you had to give me a hint, so I'm only going to count him as half. But that's fine. Uh, well, I can't do half. That's a full. That's a full <laughs> loss. <laughs> okay. All right. So you've okay. got three incorrect. All right. Uh, Seth Towns goes from Harvard too. Ooh, those Harvard transfers are always sneaky. Um, uh, is he? A, he's got to be a grad transfer, right? He might be. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, they're immediately eligible, at least. Well, I mean, why would you? I, I don't, why would you transfer from Harvard before you had a degree finished? Is all I'm thinking. Um, this other guy definitely is a is a grad transfer because he's been around for fucking ever. He should be the next entry into the Van Wilder house. But we'll focus on Seth first. Uh, I, I can't can't put a finger on Seth Towns. Here's a hint for you. He's okay. going to play for his hometown team. If that matters. Mm, no, that that hits nowhere for me. The Ohio State University. Ah, so, so that's Columbus. who's that's who's replacing Carton. So there we go. There you go. So yeah, Seth Towns to Ohio State. Bryce Aiken. This is the other guy. I swear he's. I'm pretty sure Bryce Aiken played with like Jeremy Lin. Uh, so <laughs> Bryce Aiken going from Harvard to. He is old, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, uh, very yeah. old. Uh, I want to say that he stayed East Coast, though, in that area. I would, if it was Providence, we would have heard about it from the Providence Twitter guys. Uh, so you're not, pretty close. Uh, pretty geographically close. and conference-wise. Uh, um, Villanova we probably would have heard about it. Let's go with uh, let's go with Ed Cooley's boys. Or not Ed Cooley's boys. Uh, let's go Seton Hall. Fuck Seton Hall. What? Whoever the fuck it is. Wow. Again, that's a this complete. That's game a guess. Two. This was game two of the NBA Finals where the Heat were down like seventeen. Yeah, yes, he goes wow. to Seton Hall. Let, let me tell you something. This is my most excited. This is the, the transfer I'm most excited about because Seton Hall has the pieces. We know how how great they are. Uh, Bryce Aiken coming in to that program is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. we'll see how he does there with Seton Hall. The best name on this list, Cartier Diara. Ooh. He, he goes from – I didn't know this, actually. So a lot of these I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I did not know he transferred from Kansas State to – Oh, man. Um, also, I need to apologize to Kevin Willard, even though I don't really like Kevin Willard. That tells you how how much I need to get back to the uh, swing of things here. Um Cartier Diara looks like a guy named Cartier, which is which is really one of his best traits. Uh, but I do not know where he where he transferred to. Definitely drawing a complete blank on this one. 
Cartier Diara went to Virginia Tech. Not an immediate, uh, did not get granted immediate eligibility, so he'll have to sit out a year. How do you not get granted immediate eligibility in a year like this? In this Dude, economy, in this economy, he doesn't know. get granted <laughs> granted immediate eligibility. Like, what did you Poor have guy. to fuck fuck up with your paperwork to not get immediate eligibility in a in in this type of environment? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But Cartier Diara leaves Manhattan and uh, he goes to Virginia Tech. Big beef guy, Marco Santos Silva, transfers mm. from VCU to. Hmm. Uh, Texas, because that's the only like VCU connection I can think of. Very, very close. Texas Tech. Damn. Not that he would have been there, it, you know, at the same time we got recruited or anything like that. But that was the only connection I could think of. So Marco Santos Silva immediately eligible from VCU to Texas Tech. Chris Beard. We've we've sung his praises quite a bit. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see. Santo Silva uh, down low, just bodying people. I mean, he's your—he's like your modern day Omar Samhan at this point. So, uh, VCU loses a good one there in Santo Silva, and so does the A10. And then, last but not least, Mac McClung, not immediately eligible. He goes from Georgetown too. Oh God, this is probably. Wow, this- are you not, are you going to fuck this? Yeah, I think I am. We made Dude, such I a big this was a layup. We made such a big deal out of this, and this is for me to go five hundred in this too. Oh no. Oh no! Well, no, uh, you've, you've, you've missed seven, I believe. Oh, I have I. Oh, I thought I yeah. just got. Oh, I guess Seton Hall doesn't count since I needed hints on that. Um, I can't believe I'm not. I'm drawing a blank on this one because we we gave we gave uh, Shark a hard time because we thought that this was going to be his team that he was going to ride this whole whole coming season. Luckily, we luckily we put an asterisk on this, saying that Shark wasn't allowed to <laughs> to give a shit about this, right? Huge. I, by the way, I, I'm gonna uh, I bring this up with Burgo. I am a huge COVID asterisk guy right now. Like I will slap an asterisk on anything that doesn't right. enforce my narrative, especially on Twitter. So feel free to throw around the asterisk, Taylor. Like I'm, I'm a big asterisk guy now. Oh, Texas Tech again. Thank you. Yeah. There okay. it Jesus. Is. Yeah. You see that that I see what you did there. You're trying to fuck with me. Two two Texas Tech guys. I see, I see. It's like the Scantron test where there's four <laughs> C's in a row, and that fourth one, you're like, two plus two is clearly four, but I'm not going to mark that as C. So yes, Mac McClung in Lubbock. Uh, that is going to be a lot of fun next year as well. So just as a recap, some familiar names in not-so-familiar places. Landers Nolly now in Memphis. James Akinjo down in the desert in Tucson at Arizona. DJ Carton uh, at Marquette. Johnny Juzang back home in UCLA. Romello White at Ole Miss. Matt Harms to BYU. Seth Towns and Bryce Aiken go to Ohio State and Seton Hall, respectively. Cartier Diara to Virginia Tech somehow doesn't get an immediate waiver. Marco Santos Silva and Mac McClung both in Texas Tech. Those are the big ones. Obviously, there's a ton others, but those are your big transfers where if you see them on the bench, if you see them suiting up, don't tell, don't say we didn't warn you. So McCl- is McClung immediately eligible or no? No. Right now, so I believe how, he's out. So how pissed were you when you transferred pre-COVID when you could have just transferred at any point during this offseason and probably got an immediate waiver? Yeah. I mean, probably... That's that's probably the one 
downside, I guess, of being an eager beaver, trying to get out of there as quickly as possible, right? So, I mean, obviously, McClung couldn't have seen all of this nonsense coming, but yeah, some some big names in different places, and it's going to it could very well change the landscape of of these teams and also the conferences as well. I mean, I don't know much about Kansas State, but I did know one Cartier Diara was their best player. I don't know who the fuck they're going to field next year. Um, Virginia Tech lost Nolly, so you got to think Diara comes in and replaces him. Uh, Marquette, you know, it's nice to see them get a transfer as opposed to getting burned by one of the Hauser twins again. So, uh, yeah, this is and, – and UCLA, very, very interesting – uh, what's going to happen there at UCLA with Juzang. So looking forward to these, to, to, to see how these new guys play in their new homes. UCLA is to me, probably uh, the most interesting team on that list and them in Texas tech. Um, but given the little, we know about the college basketball world here coming into this year, um, not us, but just, you know, the, the unknown nature of, of the world in general. Um, to me, it's going to be really interesting how Mick Cronin uh, leads that team, their recruiting class, the transfers. Obviously, they got. Uh, I think that they're going to be for the for the non novice basketball fan. They're going to be one of the more interesting court stories in college basketball this year, just as a whole. We touched we touched on that with uh, our girl friend of the program, uh, Rachel Pancakes, last week. But uh, I think they're going to be one of the more compelling or interesting stories, uh, just in college basketball in general. Let's move on now, Taylor. I want to talk a little bit about the Bluegrass State because they gave us some fantastic fodder this past week. And it's really getting me Pavlov and it's really getting me fired up for college basketball season, shit talking season, rivalry season, Louisville versus Kentucky. If you missed it, Chris Mack dropped a pretty hilarious video of him in his office, basically calling out Kentucky and John Calipari. It was a very tongue in cheek uh, video where he, he essentially says, you know, Kentucky has all these excuses. They reschedule. They say that they can't play at this time. They have this excuse for why they can't play us. And he's basically calling them out because I think he heard a lot of people saying, we need to get this rivalry game back on track. We need that. We need this to play. And Kentucky, I feel like, is at the center of these a lot of the times. They've been called out for not wanting to play Indiana, uh, which I think we've, we've spoken to Logue. We've spoken to some Kentucky guys. Also, Indiana definitely is just below Kentucky at this point. Louisville, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, but I love this from Chris Mack. I love him reigniting the rivalry. And then I think we got John Calipari tweeting that December 26th or sometime in December. I, I'm fucking up the dates. But that they are going to yeah, play 20, the 26th. 26, yeah. It was supposed to be the 12th, and that's what Mack was saying in his video. And then it's uh, going to be, well hopefully going to be the 26 now via Calipari. I personally love this whole thing coming from Chris Mack, but if I'm a Kentucky fan and I'm seeing a lot of these fans already doing it, I would basically run with it and be like, thank you, Chris Mack. Thank you for knowing that you have to abide by our rules, that you're the little brother, that you should be apologizing for all of this and you should be bending over backwards to play us. So it's just kind of funny how this back and forth is going, but I love Chris Mack coming in, coming in hot. Uh, especially after the year that they had last year. We were big Louisville fans, Nawara. Um, so what were your thoughts there on Chris Mack sort of lighting a fire on this already? In my opinion, the second best rivalry in the, in, in the sport behind Duke and UNC. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I loved it. Uh, I think that I wish we saw more of it in 
in the college basketball world because everybody is so uh, buttoned up, especially coaches uh, at times. So I love it's not even and it's not even uh, malicious, which is the, the great part about it. It's it's perfect, good natured, like ribbing that it just cuts enough of like Kentucky fans and gets Louisville fans going just enough to be important, especially during. Uh, you know, when nobody's really talking about college basketball, if you can get college basketball into the news for any reason right now, given everything else uh, that's going on in the sports world, that, that shows you how uh, funny or, or cool this was. And, and really it shows how perfect of a coach that Chris Mack is for a school like Louisville. Knowing that they are, you know, I don't know if they, I, I assume Louisville fans don't think this, but maybe Chris Mack, you know, knows that they aren't the show in the state. They're close to the show in the state, but Kentucky is obviously, as we have noted, the uh, most successful college basketball program of all time. So I, I, I just like he's like he 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 clearly understands his school, his fan base, his players, his place in the college basketball world, all that. And so when those guys or when people like Chris Mack know all of that and they can run with it, it, it really is a is a perfect marriage. Chris Mack is a great coach in his own right. He's fantastic. John Calipari tweeted the the date, and it seemed pretty innocuous. He was probably like, yeah, all right, this is fun. I guarantee you Calipari, deep down in places he doesn't talk about, is fucking seething. And I guarantee you he he like made this a mandatory viewing session for his team, basically saying, do you see this bald-headed, lanky fuck calling us out right now? I want to absolutely shit on this team you should want to bury louisville and to be honest with you i think they might have poked poked the bear there a little bit i i love that and chris mack did it but i don't see this going well for louisville i really don't uh kentucky has kind of ragdolled them if i'm not mistaken uh, the, the the past couple times that they have played so i i know for a fact that John Calipari is going to use this far more as a as, as bulletin board material is than uh, Chris Mack is going to be like, hey, guys, I put my ass out on the line. Hey, fan base, I put my ass out on the line for this game. Uh, I think this is like John Calipari is stewing still. I have a feeling because if you watch that 30 for 30 on him, if you watch how ruthlessly competitive he truly is and getting called out by some new guy, like if this was Patino, maybe Calipari would air more towards, oh, this is fun because Patino's this Hall of Fame legendary coach. It's Chris Mack who may have gotten a little too big for his britches. Again, as a neutral observer, I love it. But what is this, Mack's like third year at Louisville? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's already calling out the the big dog in the state, the big brother. So it's, it's I know Calipari's pissed about that. <laughs> the not-so-subtle flex by Calipari on Twitter on either side of that tweet is him just tweeting about watching all of his Kentucky players in the NBA Finals. And that's kind of just being like, oh, sorry. Yeah, cool. Go do whatever. Say whatever you want, Chris Mack. Uh, we got like four players in the NBA Finals. Sorry, I'm going to focus on that before I worry about you guys. Meanwhile, Louisville's best player still somehow just gets like clowned on Twitter, Donovan Mitchell, just because of the team that he plays for. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. And he's sick, but like he's not Anthony Davis. You know, so that that's the problem. And he's not yeah. even as cool as he's not even as cool as Tyler Hero either. Well, he's not as cool as, as Bam Adebayo either. Yeah, I mean, this has just been an absolute advertisement for Kentucky basketball. 
right? I mean, the, the recruiting is basically doing it itself. Jamal Murray, Jesus, how do we even forget about Jamal Murray? <laughs> yeah, think, you're right, the guy that beat him, <laughs> the beat Donovan Mitchell, right? So, oh wait, yeah, yeah, the Nuggets won that series, yeah. So the guy that outflexed or outdueled Donovan Mitchell, even. Yeah, uh, but I love it between Chris Mack and John Calipari. I'm glad the bad blood is back. Let's get more of that from uh, from these coaches. Uh, let's move on, though. A couple other quick hitters here, Taylor. Baylor and Gonzaga. I was looking at the schedule. I was looking at uh, some of the big out-of-conference games this upcoming year. Baylor and Gonzaga are set to play on December 5th in Indianapolis. That is going to be theater, probably the best non-conference game of the entire year. I'm pretty sure that's going to feature two top five teams. Baylor will most likely be the number one uh the number one ranked team in the country. They're a fucking wagon. They were awesome last year. I feel bad for them. You, t- you think about teams that you feel bad for, like, I don't know, Rutgers, for example, because they missed out on the tournament. But I also feel bad for teams like like Baylor, who were just so damn good, and they had their season cut short. Gonzaga, they're going to be slightly different. I don't think they have Killian Tilly anymore. Philip Petrosev went overseas to pursue a professional career, but they're still going to be great. So Baylor and Gonzaga in Indianapolis, I'm very much looking forward to that game. Is that an early on your radar type game or is there any other games that you had thought of? Yeah, that's got to be the one you're not even fully selling it. In my opinion, you're talking about two top five teams. You're talking about arguably maybe a number one versus number two matchup at that point. Cause it's two. I don't want to say surefire cause there's nothing surefire in college basketball, but two, likely one seeds when it comes to the NCAA tournament, a potential final four matchup. Anytime you get that together, uh, it's, it's hard to beat that. Um, You know, and it's nice to see given that, uh, you know, nice to see that Kentucky and Louisville are potentially going to play. Nice to see that Baylor and Gonzaga are going to play because we have so much movement in who's playing in which tournaments and who's not playing in the tournaments anymore. Um, I can't even remember right now if Duke, did they end up putting something together or did they not put that tournament together? Cause they pulled out of the Atlantis, which was supposed to then be in, is this in South Dakota and like Maui's in Asheville this year and, and people are pulling out of it. Gonzaga and Arizona were supposed to play this year, but now they're going to move that along to next year. See, this so, is what I'm saying. This is, this just goes back to my original thought though, Taylor, like Maui's not in fucking South Dakota. If I'm going to look at the Maui Invitational, I want to be in the Lahaina center. Yeah. I want don't, the, don't call it the Maui ever. Invitational. Yeah. Right. Don't call it the Maui Invitational. Call it the, just South Daco- this, the South Dakota uh, showdown or whatever, you know, SDS. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I was kind of off the top too. So yeah, do, you know, don't try and, you know, put, this is like a lipstick on a pig situation. You know, don't don't tell me the Maui Invitational from the whatever event center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Just call it the the Sioux Falls showdown. Yeah, uh, but no, but at least we are getting some of these matchups because most of these matchups generally happen in November. The Champions Classic, the NIT at Madison Square Garden, like we said, Maui, Atlantis. Those are all generally uh, Thanksgiving or, or previous week to Thanksgiving. At least some of these schools are still moving on with some of their big games. And obviously, as we get closer, given we've still got about six weeks till the college basketball season actually tips, obviously we'll preview a lot of these games. But uh, that one right now has to be the A top of the ladder um, game, uh, unless you're thinking of another one. No, I'm not. And so this if this was a couple of years ago with the same rankings, it would have featured two really good coaches, great coaches, 
that had the monkey on their back of not getting to a final four. Mark few has exercised that demon Scott drew next up most likely, right? He's, he's entering that tier of great coach, very successful coach, what he's built at Baylor. And I think this is probably his best shot at getting to a final four. And this is a window for Baylor right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun to, to, to watch those two teams square off. So it'll be really interesting with Baylor specifically. And uh, like I just said, and reiterate, we'll talk about them a lot more going forward, but you know, they are now going to be expected to be good. Whereas last year they were not expected to be good. Uh, They lost their, I believe it was their first game of the year, maybe second uh, against Washington, who was supposed to be good. And Baylor wasn't, but you know what? They pretty much flipped roles there. Uh, They lost that up at the uh, Alaska, whatever the fuck they call it, classic in Anchorage. And then from there, Baylor didn't lose for like ever, you know? And so they, didn't have any real expectations, didn't have any real burden on them. It'll be interesting to see how they carry that burden of the number one team in the country and maybe are a team that will benefit from not having to go on the road as the number one team in the country and get, you know, that type of play at that type of atmosphere because games are just different when you're playing number one at, or, and you are number one, but both ways. And so maybe this year will help a team like Baylor, not saying that they couldn't handle it anyway, but it might be helpful for those type of schools that just aren't used to being the number one team in the country. Well, I would say postseason history has told us that they can't handle it when they're the hunted, right? They, right. they lost to Yale. I think they lost, they lost to Georgia state was, was the RJ Hunter shot against Baylor. Uh, I, I, I thought it might have been you might have to look that up for me. Uh but they've they've been a top three seed in the NCAA tournament before and they've lost in the first or second round. So yeah, I mean I think having it might be added pressure that they have a bullseye on their back, but it's it's not like they have to go into hostile environments. It was yeah, you are correct with RJ yeah. Hunter. Former Celtic uh, great, former Celtic great RJ Hunter. Yeah. Now Dad, dad down in Tulane trying to turn around a program that actually ranked dead last in our uh, top 50. It wasn't even top 50 for them. It was like just dead last in all D1 college basketball. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Major, oh, high major D1 college. Hey, Ron Hunter, keep doing your thing down in New Orleans, man. Um, real quick hitter before we get to Mike Burgo, Master. Conference tournaments may be in jeopardy. And we may have to shrink the NCAA field. Uh, we expanded it a couple of years back. Now we may have to uh, shrink it. Upon first glance, I say to myself, that would suck because it eliminates some of the big time upsets. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, if, if some of, I mean, you still want the best teams to, you know, rise to the rise to the top in the elite eight, the final four, and you're still going to get some upsets. You're probably still going to get like a 13 over a four. You just may not get a, that 15 over a two, and you're not going to get those middle Tennessee states. You're probably not going to get those uh, Baylor losing to, to, to Georgia states but you're still going to get those 13 12s over those higher seeded teams. Taylor real quick. What are your thoughts on if they shrink the NCAA field? Are you going to be upset about that? I, I mean, maybe six months ago now, just, just give me any tournament of any teams playing together, no matter how we get there, you know, especially if Arizona's involved, like that's all I fucking need. You know, uh, I don't really, you know, the newer version, the our age version of college basketball fan is really, uh, you know, used to having uh, conference tournaments. Traditionally, conference tournaments aren't 
are they're a new thing. They haven't been going on forever. Uh, you go back a number of years, and I'm sure there were more coaches than just Lute Olson. But funny enough, I believe John Thompson, both of them, the late John Thompson, late Lute Olson, were. I know Lute Olson for sure was very anti conference tournament because he just looked at it as a money grab by the conference. He's like, why are we playing 18 games? And then that, so that team that wins doesn't, so they're not the best team in the conference. So then we play four random games in a random city in four days. And then that's how we determine who gets the seeding. So there's an argument against that. Like I love conference tournaments, just like you said, don't get me wrong, but um, this conference tournaments are a very new thing uh, in the traditional world of college basketball. So I don't think that that's going to be that big of a deal for a year. Um, but, you know, yeah, sure. Shrinking the NCAA tournament is would be, you know, inc- it's not unfortunate. It would be inconvenient, I guess. It's just going to give you less games to watch. But in reality, it's literally only going to affect what would be one day or two days of the NCAA tournament. Because then you just move to the Saturday of the first round instead of the Thursday of the first round. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not going to be that big of a deal, especially given this particular season that we're in. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said at this point, if we just get anything, we'll be happy because we have to remember that obviously sports were taken away from us, but the very first major sport, the first dime to drop was the NCAA tournament was conference tournaments. The Big East tournament was going on and then it got canceled. And then I think people started to really say, oh, fuck, we might be in some shit. Then I think it was. Uh, then I think it like they canceled the NBA night games. Like Oklahoma City was in uh, was in Utah or something. They just canceled those those games for the day, but nothing on the on the season. Slowly but surely, the biggest main event was the NCAA tournament, which was right on the horizon, and that got canceled. So I cannot go a second straight year without it, no matter how many teams, how how few teams are in it. Well, it's. Uh- I don't want to say we don't know anything, you or I or the shark. We, we think we know things, right? But like we really don't know all the inner workings of everything in, in sports world and whatever. But it's going to be funny because what we said on the program when all those games got canceled is, why don't they just test everybody and play it without fans? Which is literally the exact fucking same thing they're they're going to do a year later, right? So I don't want to say that we're like all high and mighty, but literally on this program, we have recordings of us saying, just delay it for a month, test all the players and coaches and play without fans. And it took the NCAA a whole year to go be like, hey, you know what we should do? We should test all the players and play without fans. Well, it was ding, just ding, it, ding, ding, ding. It, it was just a fool's aspiration of every single one of us being like, well, this will probably be over by July. So let's just chill until then. And then we'll be back to normal by August. And lo and behold, here we are. But that's another rabbit hole that we can get down into a different time. Let's go ahead and get to our interview with great friend of the program, Mike Burgomaster. All right, we now want to welcome back to the program. We we labeled you best friend of the program, Burgo. Best friend of the program at this point. Uh, what's going on, man? How is your off season? I saw you bought a home. Yeah, man. Well, best friend, man. That's a, that, that's strong. So you know, I got to bring it tonight. Um, you know, yeah. Off season, off season was good. Uh, bought bought my first house here in Auburn. Um, so you know, been here four years now. So I figured it's time to stop giving my money away and paying rent. So. Um, yeah, man, off, you know, off season was as good as it could be with all the uncertainty. Um, happy with how things are going so far. Can I, can I tell you something real quick, Burgo? You got a little Southern drawl. Was that four years in the making? 
Do you know? It's funny. My parents keep saying that too, and I don't hear it at all. But yeah, it's probably just because I, I you know, I'm, I'm around the same accent every single day for the last four years. So I definitely heard it when you said Auburn. Auburn was it was like perfect. Really? Yeah. It's Auburn's going to win the football game type of type of, yeah, type of accent on that. Yeah, you know, so. what a shame that I've lost my Westford, Massachusetts accent. You know, it's a, you know, it's a really, you know, notable accent that people are going to miss. It was kind of your calling card, you know. <laughs> Some may say that. So before we dive too deep into basketball, I don't know if you know that I am a realtor. So oh. let me ask you a question that I always wonder. It may be different from the offseason, but how much effort does the significant other have to put in when a college or a coach or a player of any kind, but in your case, a coach have to, or a member of the program have to put in when you're putting like 15 hours a day into college basketball. You're saying, you're just saying like, like in day-to-day living. Well, just in like getting the, like the, getting the new house together, all that type of stuff, picking out the paint colors. Have you been able yeah. to have more time because of that? Was, was COVID the perfect time for you? Cause you actually were, cause if you guys buy a new house in the middle of like December, you're on campus, I assume, like yeah, the majority no, of the day. You know, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I you know, had a lot more time to research and like do everything that I wanted. But I learned a lot about myself and the fact that, you know, if I if basketball, you know, fails, I, I think I have a, a future as an interior designer. I think I'm pretty good with the paint colors, pretty good with the, you know, the <laughs> modern, all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know. I got I got a chance. We'll see. Hopefully basketball doesn't fail, though, because I, I don't know that I want to fall back on that, but I might be able to. <laughs> Burgo would be a great, like, kind of name for an hgtv program like burgo and whatever burgo and friends I don't know. <laughs> yeah burgo and co there you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> i watch it you know during covid we've had to adapt and without sports i've started to lean into more bravo tv some more hgtv so burgo now is is when you want to get this clientele because we got well i mean it's a little late now sports are coming back which is great right. but i do want to ask you about that burgo with this off season was there any part of you that didn't think we would have a season? You know, it's actually funny that, yeah, we, we kind of were talking about that today as a staff. Um, you know, I, I kind of figured, and I, you know, I'm no medical expert, none of us are. I don't think that there's really any when it comes to this. But, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily know. I didn't think that we weren't going to have a season. I didn't know what it was going to look like necessarily. I still don't know that we 100% know what it's going to look like at this point. But, um, you know, it would have been it would have been really weird if we didn't have a season. You know, it's like uh, literally one of my only purposes on this earth right now is is to help you know a basketball program. So like, what am I going to do for a whole year with that just not happening? So it, I'm glad we didn't have to get to that because um, yeah, I don't know what I would have done. So how has uh, I don't know what your involvement is in like the, the recruiting world of of Auburn and how has that changed during. Uh, the, the the COVID time here. Yeah. So, um, you know, basically once, um, and there's, there's different periods throughout recruiting. Um, there's, there's obviously like evaluation periods, which is when the coaches are going out to AAU tournaments. There's um, quiet periods, which, you know, it, it's when the visits are happening and then there's what's called dead periods where it's like, there's no in-person contact whatsoever. So basically around the time that everything got canceled and shut down, the NCAA basically put us as, as, you know, a division division one basketball they, we've been in a dead period and we're in a dead period throughout the calendar year so what that's done is it's really sh- as as everybody's you know office has gone to as every everybody's you know uh happy hours with their friends have gone to you know we're we're, we're we've been on zoom pretty much exclusively um and so 
you know, we, like a lot of programs do, you know, we have a presentation that we generally show in visits, whether they're coming to see us, whether we're coming to see them. And so, you know, we've just kind of adapted that to Zoom and, and that's kind of been the, the new landscape. So kind of banking off that, I won't say any names or anything, but there, some would say that maybe you just lost out on a pretty high level recruit, lost out, quote unquote, lost out on a high level recruit. Is that something that like, do you care or do you just care about the guys who walk through the door when the season begins every year? Yeah. So, I mean, as you guys know, like I'm not allowed to talk about specific names or anything like that. Um, you know, I think, I think from our standpoint, um, you know, it's, 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 it's all about fit. If it's, if it's, if it's not necessarily going to be an exact great fit um, for whatever reason, you know, if one person doesn't, we, we want guys that want to be a part of our culture, um, you know, uh, and, and, and that's what we're going to roll with, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, the kids that we've had come through here, um, the last few years have, have really, you know, developed a culture of being in the gym on their own, being, um, you know, about buying into what coach Pearl really wants to do playing hard. You know, um, it's, it's funny, actually, he's been saying all this summer is like, look, the, the way that we play, you guys can do whatever you want on offense, but I need you to act like me on defense, like a maniac. Like, well, like that's, that's the style that we're going to play. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of a roundabout answer, but you know, we're going to roll with whoever walks through the door and, 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 um, you know, do our best as a staff to put them in positions to be successful. I'm glad you brought up coach Pearl because I want to take it back again to the off season. What was his initial message to the team when there was all of this uncertainty and were there multiple messages, right? So we've gone through ups and downs. We've navigated through this whole off season. Brigo, tell us what the the main message at first was, and has that changed at all throughout this off season from, from coach Pearl? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget the moment when we, when everything got shut down, you know, we were, um, we had just actually been in the building, the Bridgestone arena in Nashville. We were in there for our shoot around that morning, prepared to play a game later that day. Um, we're on the bus to go to another facility where we're going to actually like have our, you know, scout practice where we're going to go through what the opponent's going to do and all that sort of stuff. And everything gets shut down. And, um, you know, Coach Pearl gets up and, and, you know, we pull the bus over to the side of the road. Coach Pearl gets up and, um, you know, one, one of the, he goes to the back of the bus and um, it was hard. You know, we had we had five seniors and, and a freshman in Isaac Core that, that probably was going to go to the NBA draft. Um, I don't know that he knew at the time, but they, they, they had played their last college basketball game without really ever knowing it. And so, um, you know, it's hard. It's that's a, that's a tough moment. It's something that you don't necessarily ever really prepare for. Um, but. You know the 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 main message that Coach Pearl, and it's a big theme of his, is is you know re- re- adversity um, reveals character, right? Like you know a lot a lot of times people have a different choice on that. Like adversity builds character. It's like no, you know it it might some, but when 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 the cards are down and there's going to be some adversity against you, that's when your character is going to get shown, who you are as a person, you know. So um, that's kind of been the message, and and that was the message for the seniors. It's like you know what are you going to now do? Are you going to because this this got taken away from you, are you going to pout? Are you going to you know get off your feet for four months and not pick up the basketball? Or are you going to stay ready for when your next opportunity is going to come? That's sort of the same mantra we have with the team this year right now, right? Is is you know there's so much uncertainty. Our you know no one's schedules are even really done, and and here we are seven weeks away from the start of the season, and you know we just got to stay ready for our opportunity because opportunities are going to come. So that that's how we have to handle it. So, you know, not exactly the off season, but so what has everything been like since school 
quote unquote started, you know, kind of maybe elaborate, you were kind of talking about a little bit, but uh, you know, our, how much different is the day to day, uh, you know, togetherness or lack thereof than a normal season? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely weird. Um, you know, I think it, it was a really refreshing moment when, you know, our, they, they approved for the kids to come back on campus and, you know, we got, we got some of our guys, um, to come back in, in the middle of the summertime and they were doing like all voluntary stuff until August. And then the first time as a staff, we were actually able to step out on the floor with them. That was like, all right, things are starting to feel a little bit more back to normal. But, you know, the day-to-day is weird. Um, you know, you can't just walk in the door. Like, you know, the guys have to go in a certain way into the locker room. They can't, like, you know, there's all this contact tracing. And, you know, you, we can't just walk in the building and go into our office. we got to go and, and get scanned, like our temperature checked in and, and, you know, scanned into this QR code that basically says, you know, this is where we're going to be today so that they can trace where we're at, um, you know. There, there's there's random testing um you know the covid testing you know i think i've probably been te- i've probably been tested like eight times now or whatever so you know just getting used to something getting jammed up your nose and and i mean that's going to be that's what it's going to be for the season is is you know it's going to be we're going to have to get tested three times a week so you know you better be used to it at this point so um is that uh, is that ncaa mandated is that like an auburn thing or like who's mandating that so it's a it's a recommendation from the NCAA, and 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 I'll I'll say this: we're not we're not a hundred percent sure what the SEC is going to say. They haven't really come out and say that, but I'd imagine it's going to be along the lines of that NCAA recommendation that came out that says you should be getting tested three non consecutive days throughout the season. Burgo, I know you were watching the Auburn at Georgia game. You you expect to play in, in a crowd that size in front of a crowd that size? <laughs> I don't know. I was like. I, I, at one point, I was like, you know, there's got to be a, a flag that's thrown for their like stands. I, I didn't think they were properly socially distanced. I don't know. That was just that was just a viewers, t- like, you know, uh, my viewership from the TV. You know, I guess there were some pictures after that. They were se- they were sitting according to their seating plan. I don't know, but I don't think we'll play in, in front of that big of a crowd. No. So, kind of echoing on that same thought, because I, I think we all had the same thought watching that game. Do you think there's going to be a huge? difference for obviously there's been a huge difference going on the road but are, do, how do you feel like teams are going to be affected when they go into some arenas and there's going to be fans in other arenas when there's going to be none and neutral sites and all of that do you think that there's going to be a huge variance on how that affects each individual team throughout not only the conference but across college basketball yeah i think so i mean i think if you use the nba as an example right you know who are the two teams in the east that got to the the conference finals, arguably, you, some would say two of the better coach teams, you know, Coach Spolcher is able to coach his team nonstop throughout the game. He's allowed to communicate with them. The bench is allowed to communicate with them. That's, you know, that's really valuable for a team that that really buys into, you know, what their coaches are saying. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the biggest challenges about, ro- like, with road games is just not being able to hear your bench. And, and so you have to be really well prepared to go into a road game and win. So I, I do think, you know, I do think you'll see coaching come into an effect more in these in these um, you know le- lesser crowded venues because you're going to be able to hear each other. It just dawned on me now. Do you think you're finally at a, at an advantage when you travel to uh, Vanderbilt, so you don't have to like <laughs> battle that crowd and also listen or yell across the entire fucking court to your players? Well, I mean, the, the the thing with the thing with Vanderbilt is like the, the weirdest part about it is like Coach Pearl can still walk up all the way to half court or you know four feet past half court or forty feet past half, you know wherever he's usually out of the box. But the the problem is is he can't communicate with like the assistants, 
So, you know, we, we, we may be trying to get something to him and he can't hear us because he's, you know, our, on the other side of the court from us. So I don't know. I, I don't even know with an empty gym if, if we'll be able to overcome that. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. You're too classy of a guy to say it. That gym is still so goddamn maddening to me, but you're too nice of a guy to say it. It's, it's definitely one of the weirder gyms I've ever been, been in. You know, it reminds me of like an AAU tournament when, you know, they'd stick your benches on the baseline and, you know, it's just a free for all is where the scores table is. I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's a really historic building though. It's, you know, they, they've had a lot of success there. I don't know if it's, is old and historic the same thing though. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I, I'm not know. sure. That might be a discussion for a different podcast. Yeah, it uh, might be. It might be. Yeah. But uh, so you brought up the bubble there a second ago. I kind of have this feeling, having thought about it more uh, over the last couple of days, knowing that we were having you on and just how the NCAA was going to potentially treat the NCAA tournament or conference tournaments if they have them or so on and so forth. I kind of have this feeling that college teams would actually be do better in the bubble than the NBA teams do. No families, really no, no, generally no wife and kids. College basketball is already a pretty structured environment compared to the NBA class, uh, film, you're in your dorms. The general consensus is that the players all hang out with the players already. Do you think that, am I off base in thinking that college basketball teams would be maybe a little better in the bubble environment than the NBA teams, given that they have a little less freedom maybe already than NBA players do. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. You know, I'm not sure. I think, I think you make some valid points and it is very simple. It's, it's probably pretty similar to, you know, what our guys are going through now, which is, you know, they're in the gym, they're, they're, they're at practice or they're like in a zoom class or an online class, you know, and in the back in their dorm. Um, you know, I think, I think, it, yeah, I think it could be uh, the case that you know, college could be more successful in that sort of environment because you know, they're, yeah, they're typically not seeing their families anyways. I'd say, I'd say, you know, maybe some of the differences is just because a lot of the guys on our team are local; they are seeing their family, you know, for a visit here. They're they're dropping into town to grab a bite with them or something like that. And so, I, I think I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm not 100 percent sure though. A lot of the future is unknown, Burgo. We, I think that's the only thing that is known is that it's unknown. Um, but are there things that you guys are practicing on or off the court that you're trying to adapt to and get used to as you enter this weird season? I mean, it, it, there's only so many things that we can think of, but as someone in that locker room on a coaching staff, what are some of those variables that you guys have already identified for the season and how are you getting ready for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think one of the things that it's already been a strength of our programs to begin with, so we're really kind of buying into it, is just, you know, how, how important our depth is going to be. Um, you know, you, I, you know, you never know um, when all this, this, like you said, the, the only known is that there's, whatever you said, the, the only known thing is that there, it's all unknown, whatever, something like that. But There you go. Uh, I nailed it, nailed it. Um, so, you know, I think you never know when someone could pop a positive. You never know if that person from a contact context tracing standpoint um, has been around certain people. So, you know, all we have 12 guys on scholarship. They all got to be ready to go. Our, our, our walk-ons, you know, our scout team, they, they need to be ready to go because we just don't know um, what's going to happen. We don't, it, it, there's not anything, you know, you could still do every single thing right and, and, and still get this and have to miss games. And so, you know, we're just really leaning into our depth and, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to always play 10, 11 guys, but you know, the guys 12 through 16 got to be ready. They got to, and, and you know, when that adversity comes, their characters going to be shown are, are they going to be ready for the opportunity. Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, so that's they, a great point because right. we talked about the coaching, but the depth is, is huge. I mean, I can only imagine if someone has to sit out for two weeks or whatever it is in a big time game. So it's a great per- point, Bargo. Sorry, Taylor. Oh, no, that's my bad. Um, so I was going to kind of maybe just have you elaborate on that point because we've been kind of doom and gloom here. Unknown, things are weird, all that. So what makes you most excited about Auburn basketball this year? The depth, the coaching, obviously the entire staff, uh, a new home to go back to every day. But what's the most exciting part about Auburn basketball uh, coming up this year since we've been doom and gloom? Give me some more positivity. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, um, we, we've now lost 11 guys from the team that, was, that went to the Final Four. 11, all 11 guys that were on scholarship that year um, are, are no longer with Auburn. So, um, you know, we've got, 12, we've got 12 guys that have either only played a year with us or have never played with us before. You know, we're, we're really talented. We're competitive. Um, we're young. We're still figuring a lot of things out. We're still learning how to play together. Um, but, you know, I think, I think, you know, one of the things that people can be really excited about with this group is, you know, these are the guys that saw the success we've had the last few years and said, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I want to replicate that. Um, you know, and so they're working their butts off in order to do that. Um, you know, we're still going to play this, the little way that I kind of talked about earlier. We're going to have freedom on offense. We're going to shoot the ball. We're going to, you know, get up and down, play fast, and 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 then we're going to play like maniacs on defense and try and create as much chaos and havoc and turnovers and block shots and charges and and you know, um, and Coach Pearl is going to be coaching his butt off and and you know I'm excited about all of that. You know, it's 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 been, you know now that we're practicing more and more and the hours are ramping up and you know next week's definitely the start of the regular season as far as practices. You know, it's starting to feel like that time of the year again and you know going from from March where who knew what was going to happen and having all those months and days off without sports. Like the fact that we get to talk about an upcoming basketball season is just exciting enough for me, bro. You're telling us you're you're preaching to the fucking choir. We've just been, I know uh, it's, it's like, we've just been starved. The drought is over. It's, it's, it's about to be over. (laughs) <laughs> right. well, it's, just, it's, it's just like everything else every conversation is how about that COVID, huh you know i mean it's like let's just give it give us some something else to talk about like the actual ball on the court rather right. than what it what it's what it's all going to be what it all might be whatever right. so, so yeah I'm just, I'm just happy that we're moving on from that yeah me too there's a lot of talent incoming into the sec uh you referenced the guy bama got I think his name is Kennedy Chandler went to Tennessee or, or uh, some guy from Memphis going to Tennessee. Um, and then of course, you know, Vanderbilt's building a good program with Jerry Stackhouse. You guys are great. Kentucky's always going to be great, but my biggest new face, or he's not even a new face, actually, he's uh, coming back to town. And we, had t- we talked about transfers this past season, Burgo, or excuse me, earlier this episode, but uh, a familiar face in a familiar place Marshall Henderson is a grad assistant back at Ole Miss. And now Marshall Henderson has a bit of a history uh, with Auburn and that guy in the front row, Virgo, as an, as someone on the opposing staff, man, are you, are you ready to tango with, with Marshall Henderson sitting across from you? So, you know, I, I was, I, I don't know where I was in the world when all that happened. I rem- you know, I remember that that's, that's an iconic moment between, um, you know, Ole Miss and Auburn and, um, also, is that yeah. sorry, real quick? Is that guy like a notable guy? Is he a booster or anything? 
I don't. I I haven't met who that guy is in the picture. I don't. I'm not 100 okay. sure. So um, okay. Uh, but you know, I think you know. Anytime you know, we play Ole Miss twice every single year. It's 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 one of our uh, one of our rivals in the SEC basketball. So the, you know, you always got to bring it. And I think from it's you know, if there were fans, it would definitely be an added boost to to you know the environment. Um, but you know, you got to bring it against that whole staff and. Um, yeah, well, you know, Ole Miss is always a tough game for us. The way they if, play and everything they do. If you need some pointers on Romello White, ask us because as Arizona guys going up against ASU, where he, where he used to play, now he's at Ole Miss. If if you know you, me, Taylor, Bruce want to get into a, a Zoom chat or something, we can talk Romello White and how to neutralize him. Right? You just let us know. We'll we'll bring you guys into the scout meeting. We'll uh, we'll we'll keep you guys up. We got you. Uh- I mean, I'll go one further. I'll even get tested to come out and see you guys in person if, if if need be. You know, I'm willing to go that far for you guys since you're the best. Maybe not a good friend of the program. I want to do that for a good friend of the program, but for the best friend of the program, I'd I'd probably do that for you, man. Well, I'll take it even one step further. Get in shape because we might need you to be him on the scout team. So, um, yeah. him and I have very be- very similar builds too. Look, just study a lot of film now. If you you know if you're gonna if you're gonna be willing to come all the way to Auburn, you might as well be ready to play. I need to get on it. I need to get on it. Well, my last question for you, Sue, we might have a few more, but um, you kind of talked about this a little bit. But you know, you've been how long have you been with the Auburn program now? Four years. This this will oh. be my fifth. Okay, so you guys have kind of gone. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. You do have about a four or five year accent on you, right? But so you guys have kind of gone from the hunter to in a little bit of a way the hunted in the conference uh you know clearly you've had a number of years conveniently lined up with you know of success conveniently lined up with your uh, arrival on on the scene there but is there a mentality change at all across or you know from being maybe a little bit more of a having expectations that are different or you know kind of being hunted rather than trying to catch you know other teams in the sec or is every year just different or is every year just the same? I guess in, in on the same in the same token. Yeah, I mean, I think um, from our standpoint, you know, obviously it's great to be recognized as as you know a team that um, has had success over the last last few years. I think there's there's a stat that we talk about is like we're one of seven teams that have won 25 games or more in the last three years, and it's like a really impressive list. I, I'll have to get it to you guys, but um, it's it's a bunch of teams that the name Auburn shouldn't be mentioned with, but. With all that being said, you know, that's all stuff that's happened, right? It's 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 a new year. Um, you know, anytime we've won anything, you know, we we're not we're not opening game one with a banner ceremony. We're you know, the banner's up there, it, it happened, that's great, let's celebrate it. But, you know, it's all about what have you done for me lately? Um, and so, you know, I think for, from our standpoint as a staff and as a program, you know, we try and look for ways to keep our guys hungry and and, and to still feel like they're the hunters, not the hunted. Um, you know, example would be like, you know, taking, you know, taking the fact that, you know, I, I think John Rothstein just came out and, and picked his, you know, top 14 teams for the SEC. And, you know, we're eighth or they picked us in the lowest half of the SEC. So, you know, what are we going to do about that? You know, none of the past success matters when it comes to that. So, you know, let's, let's take care of business and every year's a new year. So that's put me in a bit of a pretzel because you're best friend of the program. We love John Rothstein. We'd like him to be one of our best friends of the program, but if he's talking ill on our guy here, what are we going to do about that, Taylor? We might have to might have to tweet at Rothstein, maybe get his attention. It's not. It's not. No, it's not ill. Yeah. It's not ill. He, I mean, he understands eleven guys left left from that last that final four team too. Like he understands that he's got. Brigo, Brigo, it's it's too late, man. The ship's already been. <laughs> the ship's already out. Of no, the no, no, here, here, 
Here, we need you to send us that list of of seven teams that of over twenty five wins, and then we can push that to John Rossing. We'll just be the middlemen. You don't want to. You can't tweet it at him, but we can tweet it at him and make that difference for you. Gotcha. I appreciate that. Best friend. I might. I might just do a Michael Scott roast, like Kentucky. You guys cheat. Boom, roasted. Like all that sort of stuff. So, uh, we'll 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 get that for you, Burgo. Don't worry about it, man. Appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna let you out on this though. Now, I'm not a huge asterisk guy, but during COVID, I have become one. I am now a big, big asterisk guy. I mean, we're looking at the Lakers potentially beating the Heat. If that happens, boom, slap the asterisk. That's what's going <laughs> to happen. So with all – like, and it, I, I love it now because I can just apply it whenever I want to my narratives, especially on Twitter. Um, as of now, a huge asterisk guy, are you also an asterisk guy? If Auburn doesn't go to the Final Four, we would be like, well, this was the COVID season. This doesn't mean shit. Uh, I don't know that I'm an asterisk guy. I don't know. I wish I wish I could be, but at the end of the day, you know, the asterisks don't really matter. So it, it, it the result is the result, and um, you know, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try our best. The only asterisk that I do like, you know, the fact that, um, you know, we're we still are even though the last season there's no March Madness, we still are you know reigning Final Four attendees. We still are reigning SEC tournament. Champions. So there's. I don't know if that's really an asterisk. I think it's just the truth, but it's like a backwards asterisk. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's a those, stone cold fact. Those are the ones I like. Yeah, yeah, the facts. I guess. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the marketing department is just running with that, or will <laughs> run, or will run with that here as the season ramps up. Well, I'll have to send you guys a picture. We still have a huge banner of the 2019 Final Four just like on the front of our building. I'll have I'll have to send you guys a picture. So yeah, we're we're definitely still running with that. Well, Burgo, thank you so much again for hopping on. I mean, nothing gets us more fired up than talking college basketball with you. Obviously, this is actually our first episode of our regularly scheduled programming. We're going to be back weekly. It's so good to have hoops back. And no better way to kick it off uh, than with an interview with you. Best of luck going forward this season. And, you know, stay safe, of course. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm excited that we get to do this again. What a great thing. All right, we want to thank Mike Burgomaster yet again for hopping on. Always a great interview. Always great to catch up with him. Appreciate him shedding some insight into his offseason and the outlook for the Auburn team this upcoming season. Taylor, real quick, let's go ahead and round it out now with some hugs. I'll actually go first. I'm going to give a hug to Ryan Matumbo. Ryan Matumbo, son of Dikembe Matumbo, if that name sounds familiar to you. Does it? It should, right? Yeah. Ryan Matumbo committing to Georgetown. Uh hug for him follows in his dad's footsteps. The only thing I really got out of this was that he got out lucky. Dikembe Mutombo gave him the easiest name of all time. Fucking Ryan Mutombo. Meanwhile, his dad has like 17 different or not different names, but has 17 names in his name that comprise Dikembe's name. So uh, Ryan Mutombo going to Georgetown. That is my hug. Taylor, you got any hugs or any thoughts on Ryan going to Georgetown? No, I thought that was super cool, though. And, I, I mean, how do you not go to Georgetown if you're in that situation? So, uh, re- really cool. I always think that, uh, yeah, the the son or the kid of, uh, of any legend going to that same school is really cool. Um, I do want to say, you said Burgo is a great friend of the program. He might be the best friend of the program, actually. Is that is that a wrong thing to say? No, I don't think it is. I, I would I say think. he's the best friend of the program. If we put a power rankings out, he might be – he's probably the one seed at least uh, before the tournament starts. But I want to go a different way with my hug, and I'm going to go – I'm going to I'm gonna hug uh, Malik Zachary. Did you catch this story? Uh, he's 
and my hug is like a, a dude, what are you doing type of hug. Uh, he, he plays for the University of Buffalo, and uh, he stabbed a Canisius college basketball player in a pickup basketball game earlier this month and got arrested. Uh, to make this well, even first better, of all, before, before we laugh any harder, is the Canisius player okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fine. Okay. Uh, right. uh, uh, yeah, it was in his leg. Um, the un, the, the, he's unidentified, uh, the, the Canisius player. Uh, to make this even worse, it was – obviously, it's, it's COVID times, right? So I'm sure the University of Buffalo is like, dude, why are you off campus playing pickup basketball games, right? Like, like school is going on. To make this even <laughs> worse, though, is it was in a church gym. <laughs> so, so he has been suspended – uh, here's the word. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with this part. He's so he's been suspended by the basketball program, obviously. Right. But he's still enrolled in school. And it's like, okay. So like, if you are on only here because you're on scholarship for basketball and you stab someone, uh, maybe your scholarship just probably shouldn't be applicable anymore. But I guess maybe the courts still have, you know, maybe he was assaulted with a ball first. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, a little, uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek hug to Malik Zachary. Uh, what are you? What are you doing, dog? Well, so, or maybe yeah, I should be rival, hugging. Right? Excuse me. Maybe I should be hugging the Canisius player. Maybe that's what I should be doing instead. It's probably in better taste. But if he's yeah. fine, we can still laugh about it. Yeah. But here's here's the thing, though. I mean, Canisius and Buffalo are rivals, right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, they're both in New York, right? So, am I making that up? I mean, I. I I, we discussed Duke UNC rivalry. We discussed Louisville Kentucky rivalry. Is Canisius Buffalo? But Canisius Buffalo, to, to the best of my knowledge, Duke and Carolina haven't committed any crimes against one another. Neither is Louisville Kentucky. Uh, well, not the players, at least. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The players. So he, uh, to make this even better, um, he only committed to Buffalo in April. So he, I think he transferred in. <laughs> what a way! Strong way to, first impression. <laughs> way to, way to like, yeah, really get in there with the program and the fans early. I do think it's always funny in these times um, that you know everybody's so accessible nowadays uh, with Twitter and stuff like and Instagram and all this type of stuff. Now here, so this dude goes to jail for stabbing another basketball player, right? And then he like tweets out like fucking a highlight video from like ball is life the next day it's like dude maybe ball is ball might be too much life here at this point i think you always got to be promoting yourself man no matter the circumstances you got to be promoting yourself but good hug. i mean yeah yeah these are the types of fucking hugs that were given in covid by the way yeah, well, you know, uh, at least we were giving out hugs. You know, Shark was not even giving out hand pounds or anything like that. Right. Very, very conscious of social distancing. Uh, but it's good to be back, Taylor. It's good to be back in our regularly scheduled programming. We'll be back next week. Games, they are coming, guys. They are coming down the chute. We got about a month and a half left until the first game, which is on November 25th, I believe, day before Thanksgiving. Uh, also, I w- we should give a hug to the theater goers. You guys get us now each week. What could be better than that? <laughs> what a blessing it is for them, huh? How fun is that week going to be for uh, sports? That would speak, or just like us. That's going to be our wheelhouse. Like, just 
NFL, college football, and college basketball, just smorgasbord of of wonderful sports during that week of feast week, as they call it. I hope that they still call it feast week this year as well. Yeah, it's going to be perfect because by that time, we'll probably, I mean, and I'm not saying this to piss you off, by that time, we'll probably get the Lakers championship stink off of all of us. Uh, Twitter will probably be back to normal. Hopefully, it's not like we're going to be having to see Lakers Twitter go berserk and tell us how nobody believed in them. Nick fucking right driving me up a wall. So yeah, uh, come late November, I think we're going to be in the sweet spot and my body clock, my sports body clock is going to be perfect because baseball will be finished and we can solely focus on NFL, not in this order, excuse me, college basketball, NFL and college football. Uh, we can get to as well. Here's what, here's what I'll say to bring this, to wrap our, our sports discussion that we had in, in college basketball into the college basketball world. Last time the Heat overcame an 0-2 finals deficit, a kid from Marquette was leading their team. Not bad. I, not bad. I, mean, I just found that on Twitter. That's not even my own words. So, yep. I mean, it's it's true though. So, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that that comes to fruition. And actually, we were talking about the refs before the the show. You're going to need that 2006 Miami Heat referee whistle that that Dirk was on the short side of, but we can get into that another time. Uh, Thank you again for listening. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.